Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants. Uh, Today, we are going to be looking at the six big systems of interpretation um, that that people can use to interpret the Bible. Um, There are, uh, probably there are more um, that, that are out there, but these are the main six that we're going to to look at. There's three on the side of what's called dispensationalism, and there's three on the side of uh, covenantalism, covenantalism. And so we're going to kind of look at all, all six of these today. Um, I, uh, if you want to do extra reading on it, I would highly recommend uh, Benjamin Merkel's book, uh, Discontinuity to Continuity. Um, it was it's very new. I'm going to be using some information uh, and some some excerpts from it uh, during this episode. So if you want to look more into these these types of things, I highly recommend that. It's very objective, uh, very uh, helpful, and he provides a great summary and really does a good job of laying out all six of them side by side and comparing and contrasting them. Um, so very briefly, I just want to give give kind of overviews of of what dispensationalism is and what what covenant theology is. And then, and then, kind of walk through the specifics of each one, and just kind of show you what what it is, um, and and maybe we can get it in a future episode discuss um, more specifics of how they interpret certain passages of scripture that tend to be controversial, um, and even I can provide my own interpretation as well. So, um, as as many of you know. Uh, or as probably most of you know, all of you know, the Bible is divided up into two Testaments, Old Testament and New Testament. And what's been a debate as of, as of, or for years now is what's the relationship from the old covenant, uh, that was in the old Testament and the new covenant that we see in the new Testament. And the big issue that, that we need to, to wrestle with and the big issue that these these two main systems as a whole try to argue for is, is a relationship between Israel and the church, the nation of Israel and the big C church. What's the relationship between the two? Um, a lot of, a lot of people uh, kind of are, are don't, don't think this is a, such a, a huge deal uh, are such a big deal. I think it's very important um, that we we determine this and we understand this because it can help determine uh, so many other important areas of scripture. Um, and I mean, it's it's in the Bible. There's uh, it, it relates a lot with eschatology, a study of the end times. And I believe it's one third of the Bible is written about the end times. So the Lord wanted us to know what's going on here. And I think a big part of this is going to be understanding the relationship between Israel and the church. And so the first thing I guess we need to define, first of all, is, is what is dispensationalism and what is covenant theology? Uh, dispensationalism is a fairly modern view. It started in the mid-1800s um, and by a guy named John Nelson Darby, who we'll, we'll talk about in a little while. Um, but this, 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 tr- this, this view holds that dispensationalism as a whole says that there is a relationship or there is a distinction, excuse me, there is a distinction between Israel and the church. So there's, there's two, there are two separate entities. 
um, in, in some regard. And that's the big difference is there's more what we would call discontinuity with, with, the, with dispensationalism than there is with covenant theology. Covenant theology, on the other hand, is going to be, it's going to hold much stronger continuity um, between the old and the new covenants. Um, and this is going to be, you'll see, you'll find this a lot more in your, your reformed, your Presbyterian branches. Dispensationalism will be popular in many Baptist and non-denominational branches of, of denominations as well. Um, and so there's a lot of different implications. I mean, with covenant theology, you deal with the issue of baptism. Uh, do we baptize babies? And that's a, that's an important issue that, that, that covenant theology stresses. Um, and, and we can look at that in a little bit, but I want to start looking at, so that's just a brief overview. And that's really one of the distinctives about each one covenant theology there is a, a, a lot of continuity between Old Covenant to New Covenant. There are things that carry over from the Old Covenant into the New Covenant, such as um, the, the sign of, of circumcision in the Old Testament. Well, that's baptism today. Um, and so that's going to be a big, a big thing that, that you'll hear about often. Um, and so... By the way, when, when we say when we say covenants, we we refer to a a promise um, that God makes with with a person um, that is going to be very defining of how the relationship works. Very similar to marriage, marriage is a covenant. It's how it's how we determine. Uh, or a covenant is is a theme that we we see very often in Scripture. You have several of the the old covenants. I mean, you have the the. Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and, and, and more. And then we have the new covenant. Um, and so it's just this promise that, that God has made with his people that kind of is going to determine and define the relationship parameters. And so dispensationalism, if, we, if we're going to put it on a spectrum, you have, you have dispensationalism on one side, covenant theology on the other side, and and. I'm going to kind of walk through uh, the main six views of of covenant or of 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 interpretations of covenant theology and dispensationalism. So I'll kind of give it out, lay it out uh, from order of more discontinuity developing more into continuity. And so the first one that we'll look at is called classical or classic dispensationalism. Uh, it was developed. And, and really invented in the 1830s by a man named John Nelson Darby, who um, was he was the founder of what was called the Plymouth Brethren, and and eventually uh, gave way to a guy named C. I. Schofield, and this was what really popularized the 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 issue and the subject of dispensationalism is that there are uh, there's a Bible that came out, a study Bible that C.I. Schofield wrote called the Schofield Reference Bible. And and this this theological system makes a very strong distinction between Old Testament Israel and the New Testament church, uh, saying that Israel is the physical national people and and the church is a spiritual people. So classic dispensationalism sees two really different ways of salvation for Israel and the church. Israel was saved um, by adherence to the old covenants, and this includes, which includes faith, um, but the church is saved by grace through faith. Uh, and so classical dispensationalism 
says that the Old Testament promises need to be understood literally applying to the nation to, to the nation of Israel. Um, and these promises such as the land promise don't apply to the church. Um, and, and so original promises were made to Israel and there, there will still be a, a future for ethnic national territorial Israel. And so dispensationalism as a whole is very famous for its, uh, its end times theology or its eschatology, um, holding to a, it's, it's a pre-tribulational rapture. So there's this, the, the church is taken out of the earth before the, the seven-year tribulation period. Then there is a literal thousand-year reign of Christ after his second coming. Um, and so, in other words, Jesus will one day rapture Christians. This will be followed by seven years of tribulation. And Jesus will return to set up his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. And then the final judgment happens. Well, you might be asking, well, what was, where does the name dispensationalism come from? Well, dispensationalism. When we think of the when we think of the word, I mean, you have a dispensation. It's a time, a time period, a time frame, a long stretch of time. There, there are seven historically. There are seven historical uh, dispensations in in classical dispensationalism. Um, there is what's called innocence, um, which was basically Eden before uh, before the fall happened, um, and then. And then uh, we have the conscience, which was fall to flood, human government, which was Noah to Babel, uh, the promise, which was Abraham to Egypt, law, which was Moses to John the Baptist, grace, which is the current, the one that we are currently in, the church age, and the seventh is the future, the millennial kingdom, and that's to come later on. So that's a brief overview of of what's called classical dispensationalism. Well, uh, over time... Uh, classic dispensationalism underwent several revisions, um, including this abandonment of what we would call the literal people of God and the spiritual people of God, the earthly and the heavenly. And so this became known as revised dispensationalism. Uh, revised dispensationalism, and that's the second view, also rejected the belief that the new covenant in Jeremiah 31 uh, was not for the church. And, and advocates of this uh, sometimes we'll say that the church is the spiritual seed of Abraham, pulling this from Galatians chapter three, um, and that the Abrahamic covenant was spiritually fulfilled in the church. However, there is still a literal fulfillment of the Old Testament promises to Israel. And so this would still follow the dispensational eschatology um, with the, the rapture of the church, the seven year tribulation, the thousand year reign of Christ, and then the eternal state. Um and so it, it underwent a few, uh, a few modifications over the years. Um, but now what, what's really becoming more and more popular uh, among different, different uh, organizations and churches and Christians even is it's what's called progressive dispensationalism. Um, and, and when they say progressive, they don't mean it uh, in the sense of of like an insurance company or in a liberal sense, but rather it's to, to show how the dispensations are successive. They wrote, they, they move in an orderly fashion moving forward. And so progressive dispensationalists don't make as sharp of a distinction between Israel and the church. Um, in other words, the, the present church is not a, a quote unquote parentheses resulting from Jewish unbelief as, as other dispensationalists held. Um, but rather God had always planned to save Gentiles as part of a redeemed humanity, 
But these progressive dispensationalists still see the church as something new. And the promises to Israel in the Old Testament are still available for these Jewish Christians. And so we have to, to walk through and, and figure out what is kind of going on here. What do we say with these things? Progressive dispensationalism is moving farther and farther on the spectrum towards continuity, right? So we see you have classic dispensationalism on, on one side. It moves forward to uh, revised dispensationalism and then continues moving forward to progressive dispensationalism. And so, as I mentioned, there, there's a, a very strong distinction between Israel and the church. Uh, there is a, a, this is a very distinct thing with dispensationalism. And this is one of the strong ways and one of the easiest ways you can know if somebody is a dispensationalist is do you see a difference between, or a, a, a distinction between Israel and the church? Um, if, if yes, then there, there needs to be that, that is a, a, a clear telling sign that somebody might be a dispensationalist. Um, there's also the, the principle of a literal interpretation. When you read the, when you read tech, the text, it's all literal. Uh, it, it, obviously they, they take into account parts of speech. Um, they're not going to say it when it says something like her eyes were diamonds or something that we don't literally say, or dispensationalists literally don't say, oh, well, her eyes were literally diamonds. That's just not how that, how that works. They would say, oh, it's a metaphor. So it's the same thing we say with that. And so we would say that, that God's relationship to the church differs in ways from Israel, um, including the inclusion of the children in covenant is, is what Presbyterians would say. Um, and that's a more of a covenant theology side of things. Um, but we also see a, a distinction between law and grace. There is a big distinction between uh, we, we were under law and now under grace. And so there's that, there's that discontinuity. Um, and then, and then premillennialism, uh, the, the seven year tribulation, the thousand year reign of Christ, uh, the rapture of the church at the beginning and tribulation, seven year reign of the thousand year reign of Christ. That's very distinct to dispensationalism. So then when we, when we, we cross the middle ground and we get over to, uh, we get over to what we would call the continuity side, or we see more consistency and more overlap of the old Testament to the new Testament. And so the big, the big view and, and the view that, that, that I personally hold to is the uh, progressive covenantalism or new covenant theology. Uh, it was made popular, for, um, made popular by guys such as John Reisinger and Fred Zaspel. Um, and it basically, it's, it's, a, it's a middle way between covenant theology and dispensationalism. Um, it's, it's closer New covenant theology and progressive covenantalism is a little bit closer to covenant theology um, in, in that we, we believe that the church is the new Israel in Christ. Um, however, we also see a, a change in covenant membership that's similar to dispensationalism. The new covenant in Jeremiah 31 uh, is, is made with, with only the elect in contrast with the Abrahamic covenant, which, which made believers... Uh, that was made with 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 believers of 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 Israel, um, and so I would say that that we reject infant baptism, um, and and we follow through the the biblical progression of the covenants, moving from the covenant in creation all the way to uh, Noah, Abraham, David, or Moses, David, and seeing the fulfillment of all things in Christ. Um, and, and there's, there's a very helpful book, several very helpful books on, 
on progressive covenantalism if you'd like to read more. Stephen Wellam is a big proponent of it, um, and so is is Peter Gentry. They have done phenomenal work. Um, also, uh, there's a pastor, Blake White, um, has several books on New Covenant theology that are, are very, very helpful, and I highly recommend uh, those works. So the fifth view uh, so that's that's New Covenant theology. That's the first on the continuity side of things. The the fifth one we see is just traditional covenant theology. Uh, this is going to be more of the Reformed position. It's going to see a strong continuity between Old and New Testaments, and old, or Old and New Covenants. Um, and it says that, that the Old Covenant, or the New Covenant, is essentially the same as the Abrahamic Covenant. And the Abrahamic Covenant has been renewed through the coming of Christ. Um, Louis Burkhoff, a famous systematician who wrote a phenomenal systematic theology that I recommend, uh, said that the covenant of grace, as is revealed in the New Testament, is essentially the same as that which governed the relation of the Old Testament believers to God. So a lot of people have said that covenant theology is a replacement theology, and and there might be some ad, uh, people who hold to that. However, uh I don't think that the Gentiles replaced the Jews. Rather, the Gentiles have been grafted into the covenant while unbelieving Jews have been cut off. And so traditional covenant theologians um, hold to a, 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 a more of a symbolic, uh, allegorical, mixed hermeneutic um, that sees a little bit more, uh, there's, there's more a, a broader scheme spectrum of interpretation. That can be used. One thing that's also very, very uh, centralized to traditional covenant theology is infant baptism. So I mentioned earlier the the sign of that you were part of the people of God in the Old Testament was that you were circumcised, and because covenant theology sees the renewal of the uh, Abraham or the, the 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 Abrahamic covenant being renewed through the coming of Christ. As this is the new covenant, we would there covenant theologians say that that now the sign is baptism, and so they they say we have to baptize uh, babies and and things like that. Um, and so uh, those that's that's something that that I would personally reject. Um, but there's there's strong biblical arguments that can be made um, if if you see this this. Interpretation, and there are there are Baptists um, who hold to covenant theology who differ on the spectrum or on the side of um, of infant baptism, and then so that's that's covenant theology. Uh, a lot of guys in church history have held to that view. Um, it's it's traditionally what the Puritans were, the Reformers were, the Church Fathers were. Uh, it's a very very old historic. View. I mean, even when you read the Westminster Confession of Faith and you compare it with the London Baptist Confession of Faith, they're very, very similar, except for the fact that they're going to differ on baptism, um, the Sabbath, and, and maybe a few other things, but very, very, very similar. Um, and and so we, we, we love our Presbyterian and our covenant theologian brothers and sisters, though we disagree with them and with our dispensationalist uh, brothers and sisters. Um, so the sixth and final view that I'll get at uh, really quickly, is what's called Christian Reconstructionism or or theonomy, um, and it's the it's the it's going to see the most it's the most extreme of the of the covenant theology side, um, and and now I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to 
I think there's a very there's very helpful stuff in Ben Merkel's book, Discontinuity to Continuity. And so I'll kind of go over that real quick. But ba- basically, uh, Ben Merkel says that there are there are really there are five tenets of Christian Reconstructionism. Um, it's it's Calvinism, theonomy, presuppositional apologetics, postmillennialism, and Dominion theology. And so Calvinism that's the doctrines of grace, total depravity unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. I believe Gill has done a few episodes on, on defending Calvinism. You can check those out if you'd like. Um, but, but this is, this is historic Orthodox faith. This is what the church has, has predominantly held to throughout history. It, it didn't start with Calvin, despite the name. Um, I would argue that it started with Jesus. I would say Jesus was a Calvinist. Um, a lot of people don't, don't see that though. And, and that's fine. Um, it's not a, a salvific matter. Um, so Calvinism is very distinct with a very, very popular and, and almost a, a tenant of theonomy, Christian reconstructionism. Um, but as I mentioned, there is also theonomy. Uh, theonomy is, is the, the view that society should be ruled by the biblical law, uh, including the old Testament civil law. Um, and the, the, the Bible provides the basis for all ethics uh, and should be the standard for the government. Um, inc- and that includes uh, the church, the family, uh, public society, all that. Um, the next thing that they, that they say uh, is you have to have presuppositional apologetics. And, and, and maybe I'll do a, an episode in the future talking about the different apologetic types and different ways to do apologetics that might be something that we look at in the future. Um, but basically presuppositional apologetics is, is using scripture to show how using, assuming scripture is true and showing how every other view can't be true because the Bible is true. Um, and arguing from scripture. Um, it's, so we say that the Bible is, uh, truthful. Uh, it, the Bible's truthfulness is, is self attesting. Uh, it's not subject to human proofs. Um, it's the highest authority. It's the foundation of all things. And, and so we want to argue, um, argue biblically and argue exegetically. Uh, Vody Bauckham has a very, very helpful book on this called Expository Apologetics, though he is not a um, Christian Reconstructionist. Um, it's a very helpful book on presuppositional apologetics. Um, and if you really, really get into it, I highly, highly, highly recommend um, Eli Ayala's YouTube channel called uh, Revealed Apologetics. It's very, very helpful. Um, and he goes and discusses lots and lots and lots of issues. You can check his stuff out on YouTube. So we have, we have Calvinism, we have the theonomy, we have uh, presuppositional apologetics. The next thing that's going to be distinct with, with Christian Reconstructionism is postmillennialism, um, which is that Christ's second coming will occur after the millennium. Um, and, and this process of of the church or the church or the world society becoming more and more and more Christianized uh, is very very incremental uh, and diff and, and difficult with many ups and downs in history, but uh, eventually Christ's kingdom is triumphant um, in the end, and so that's something that that needs to be understood with that. Um, diff- that's much different than dispensationalism, premillennialism. Um, so. Uh, that Christ comes before the sec- before the millennial kingdom, and he establishes the millennial kingdom. Postmillennialism says that Christ comes after the millennial kingdom. Um, 
Dominion theology is the fifth and final aspect of Christian Reconstructionism. Um, so we read Genesis 1, 28, God gave man uh, the mandate to, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, to have dominion over the earth. Um, and so the goal of the Great Commission is to fulfill the task originally given to Adam. Um, and so it's, it's a where we want to, to rule over the earth. Um, and, and that means not necessarily a literal rule, but just Christianizing the world more and more and more. Um, and so that's a very brief overview of all, of all, really all six, um, classic revised and progressive dispensationalism, um, progressive covenantalism, uh, covenant theology and, um, Christian reconstructionism. So I'm going to wrap it up there. I am so sorry if that was like drinking out of a fire hydrant. Um, I, I hope to do maybe individual episodes on all three, on all, on all of these issues, all these, these, these views. Maybe, um, I'll just do the two that are the most popular, um, or the two most middle ground ones, which would be progressive dispensationalism, progressive covenantalism. I might do one on covenant theology since it's very popular among Baptists and Presbyterians. Um, but yeah, if you have feedback, would love to, to hear from you. Um, but uh, that is all that I have to, it's not all, but that's all I'm going to say uh, for this episode. So uh, thank you for listening and uh, look forward to uh, talking about this stuff again.